I had the privilege last night of just sharing him with a bunch of young people at a JC Rock sleepover. Uh, one of the oldest kids was Kirk. <laughs> I believe he said to Mel, he loves sleepovers. <laughs> I saw his, well, no, it was Nick's bed that was set up. I don't know where he was sleeping. He probably came and slept in here on the floor somewhere. But he was with the boys, talking till three. There you go. There's going to be a lot of tired eyes by the end of today, isn't there? But you know, one of the things I said to them was that we need to be, we need to encounter Jesus and continue to encounter Jesus. Too many people are one to an institution, to a book, to uh, music, to giftings, to buildings, and we, we need to be one to Christ. Um, when I was 29, I had an encounter with Christ that won me to Christ. Not grown up in a Christian home. I share with the young people how if we don't intimately know Christ, then this can all be boring. Sorry, parents, but I said it's pretty boring. Because you're doing something that you don't necessarily want to do. It's not an inner desire. It's something that you have to do. And, you know, the Bible says about raising your kids up in the ways of God, but at the same time, you can't try and be the Holy Spirit. And you can't try and enforce truth into them because you're in fear of what's going to happen to them. But they're not your kids, they're his. And he is very much in control of all his children. And his hand is not too short that it can't reach down and change a life. I am an example of that. I've not grown up in a Christian home, and yet his hand came to my life at 20, but really then entered into me at 29. And the word came in. And I want to talk about that this morning because... If you're new here, first time, or haven't been here for about three or four weeks, we've been looking at Christ in us, the hope of glory. That the literal reality of having Jesus formed, Paul said, within us creates the hope of glory. That the glory of God radiates forth from the church because the church has the formed Christ, not just a drop, not just a sprinkle, but the formation of Christ living within her. Which means, like we looked at last week, you're able to imitate God. That's the standard that I read when I read the word. Not to imitate Paul, although Paul says imitate me, but he says, as I imitate Christ. So God gives Paul as a physical example to help us because we can't necessarily see God. And so the standard for God's people is to imitate God. But I can't. Can you, Andre? Can you imitate God without God? No, you and me, we don't have a chance. So he said, I'm glad you've come to the reality that you can't. That's a great place to start. And we've been looking at this over the last three weeks, that the spirit of pride that wants to think we can, or the one that thinks we can build, or the spirit that thinks I can do it, because you know it says, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but we emphasize that I can do all, not the Christ that strengthens me. And so there's a divine order that operates. And so we are to imitate and live as Christ, but I have to realize and come to the position of weakness, which says, you know what? I fundamentally can't do that. 
And that drops me to my knees in a place of humility where now I reposition myself to receive what the Spirit wants to show me and teach me so I can get up and walk out my faith and what I'm looking at and actually imitate God. And that is fully possible, but not in me, in Him, as I and Him become one. I want to start by asking this a question, a little bit of a test. Who likes tests? Who passed tests? We have to get comfortable with tests. It says test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. God tests us all the time, doesn't he? So here's a test. Who recalls the main point from last week's word? If you weren't here, you get this one for free. But if you were here, what was the main point? Of last week's word. Yell it out so I can hear it. Great. Weakness is the pathway to strength. Fantastic. Next question. How is power perfected? In weakness. Okay. Next question. Where does the power of God dwell? In us. So is that a reality? Is that a reality that we experience? It's a realized revelation reality that there is power. I shared with the young people last night, Jesus came and God anointed him in the Holy Spirit and power. He lived his entire life from the power. And I said, one of the reasons why we need the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit is the empowerment of personal transformation. Because remember, I can't change me, can I? So I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to change me, and I need the empowerment of the Spirit for me to lay my life down, loving God, loving people, serving God, serving people. If I'm not empowered by above, I won't be able to do that. Not the way He intends. And I will try to do it out of my human strength. And that only goes so far before you realize you're getting tired. It only goes so far before someone will offend you because their action is greater than your human strength to love on them. Someone will do something, you'll get ripped off, someone will rip you off at work, someone will accuse you of something, someone will say something, and that'll be the thing that takes you down because you're operating from your own strength, which needs to be relinquished and then receive the Father's strength within and live from that place continuously. And so this is the start of a multitude of small messages about the Word. And the title for this is The Eternal Word, The Eternal Word, The Eternal Gospel That Builds Christ in Us. So the first three messages have sort of paved the way. Okay, We've paved the, the, the clearing, if you want. And now here is how God goes to work and builds his church. I do want to say this. I'm going to read this because it's important to know that this reality of weakness isn't, oh, I have to have my entire life broken to pieces and come like a wreck. Okay? I want to read this. Coming to this posture of weakness doesn't mean one's life has to be in ruins. 
but that we receive the revelation that we can't be and do anything of eternal worth without him. We relinquish control. That is an amazing place and it's a continuous journey. I don't know where you started the journey with following Christ. I know the disciples didn't start at the end. They started where they started and through a process of Jesus literally walking with them, he was working with them. They were in a process of transformation, weren't they? They were getting some things right. They were making some really quite big mistakes. But don't, how many people know mistakes don't disqualify you? It's part of the learning process. And Jesus knew his spirit was coming to continue the work that he had started. And the Holy Spirit walked with those men until their lives were taken. And the men that they were when Jesus came, when they were fishermen in a boat, to how they finished up, were quite completely different men, but still the same men. So this is what he's doing within us as we allow him to build himself within us through himself because he is the word of God. Is that clear? Okay. I'm trying not to wear my glasses because I keep taking them on and off, but the print's looking a bit fuzzy. (laughs) So uh, we'll see how we go. If I stand back here, I'll be fine. Yeah, that's good. Jesus builds his church from the inside out. Man attempts to build his, not Jesus, his church from the outside in. See, this is why, because when you realize that you can't change your inner world, and that's where the true building process starts, why would you try? But you have to have that revelation. And you have to have the revelation of what it truly means to build a church. Because we think building a church is just attracting people into gatherings and playing music and creating an atmosphere. And if everyone turns up, that's what it means to build a church. Now, that's what it's called to gather a crowd. Now, in that, sure, the Holy Spirit might come and do an inner, deep inner work where he starts to build you on the inside. And because it's an inner work, you have life on the inside. So like any building work in the natural, when you build it, there's evidence of the building work. So if Jesus builds his church, he does, doesn't he? Man doesn't build the church. Otherwise, Jesus would have said, hey, man, you go build my church. He didn't say that. He said, I... God and the builder, Bob the builder, can we fix it? His name is Jesus. Yes, we. Don't you love it? Can we fix it? Father, Son, Spirit, we can fix that. Yeah, we can if they allow us. So Jesus says, I am the builder of whose church? Don't ever say to me, Greg, your church. I'll tell you, no, it's not. So it's not my church, it's his church. Don't put me up on a pedestal. Don't think I'm someone I'm not. Don't create something in your heart or a false expectation of who I am. See me as yourself. See me as a human being who has a gifting and a calling and anointing, who has the issues that you have, has the same things you go through, but see the grace of God. You see, Jesus is the builder of his church. And he builds his church from the inside out, and he builds it with the power of his son. Awesome, isn't it? Jesus builds the kingdom 
in and it comes through. See that? He builds the kingdom in and then it comes through. So when he's building this life of joy and peace and inner strength and power and rest, and then you go, you go in that reality because the Christ is being built in you. So because you're in Christ, you know how to function. You're hearing and knowing how to flow in him. So then if you lay your hand on somebody who says, I want you to play for Andre, and you lay your hands on him for this wrist, and the power of God comes through you, the kingdom is coming through you and impacting Andre's wrist. So there's this duality thing happening. Now, here's the trick. You can operate in the power of God and the calling and the anointing, but not have the inner realm. Because the Bible says the gift and the calling are irrevocable which means God doesn't give the gift and take it back. He gives and hopes and believes you'll be in all the whole purpose of God and allow him to change you. But the problem is we go, great, got the gift, got the calling, see you later. Because I'm still in my inner realm functional. At my inner core, my inner wiring, I'm still of the flesh function. So I want to, my first place priority is to go and do something for God. And God says, that's cool, son, but hold on a minute. I need to walk with you. See, the disciples were the same. We're the same. As we're walking on the journey, he wants to do the inner transformation because he doesn't wait for the whole work to be done and then say, go, does he? But we have to submit ourselves and realize as we go, he's going to do a work deep within us. So we're going to look at some scriptures that prove what I said. Jesus builds the kingdom in and through us. Man builds an external empire. You see, there are kingdom people and there are empire people. And if you can discern it, you'll hear the difference between the kingdom and the empire. Here's the trick. Empire builders speak kingdom language. So they use the word kingdom. They don't use the word empire, but inwardly, they are empire builders. Still sons, still saved, but haven't yet come into a revelation of this inner reality. When Jesus said, I build my church, I build it from the inside out. I want to renew your complete mind. You do not have the full mind of Christ the day you receive Christ. You have the potential to have the mind of Christ, the full mind of Christ. Whose role is it to renew the truth in your mind? The Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we don't need the Holy Spirit if we can do it, do we? See you, Holy Spirit. I don't need you. I'm going to teach myself through study and learning because I have a mind. And God said to me to love him with my mind. He said, yeah, but hold on. He said, love with your heart first, which is the spirit, and allow the spirit to renew the mind. Otherwise, you get all twisted up and wonder why. How come I'm not in this eternal life that you preach about? Ultimately, because my learning system, my operating system, is the wrong way round. So here's a couple of questions. So the title again, the main point, if I ask you next week, the eternal word that builds Christ in us. The eternal word. 
And here's my question for you. When I say the phrase, the word, what's the first thing that comes to our mind? If you're being honest, if you hear, oh, the word, what's your first place reaction? What do you think that really is? Okay, some are saying Jesus. What about other people? The Bible. Okay, the Bible, this thing. Oh, I love the word, brother. I love the book. Yeah? Okay. Okay, here's the next question. Is this how the Bible describes what the word is? No. The Bible describes the word as Jesus. So if the Bible describes the word as Jesus, why do we describe the word as the Bible? Because we've got a faulty operating system that's going on. Because we've just been taught, this is the word. Love the word. Love the word, brother. Love the word, brother. Love the word. I love the words. I love the truth that's in here. Absolutely. I love the logos. Yeah, man. Awesome. Do I love the word? And there is a massive difference between the words and the word. But at the same time, if you understand the word, you'll understand the words because the words come from the word. And if you try and understand the words without the word, you'll get in trouble. And you'll end up creating your own version of the word. Oh, my God wouldn't do that. You heard that? My God, my God, my God. Well, hold on. Is your God the God? Because he's revealed himself to us. So next question is really how does, this is described, the, the, the Bible describes the words as the scriptures. So these are the scriptures that speak about the life of the word. Okay, It's quite important we get this because there is an operating system operating in the church, which is back to front. And it's why the church maybe isn't coming, or no, it's not coming into the fullness of life. And there are some in the church that are because they're in the correct operating system. And they've come to the point of stop trying because they realize trying in their own strength wasn't getting them anywhere. Even if you do signs and wonders, even if you see lost people saved, you can do all the works and still not have what I'm talking about. This eternal life that is peace and a joy and a hope and a patience and a kindness. And that doesn't make you perfect because Paul said, you know, there's still some things that I'm doing that I don't want to do. And there's things that I want to do that I can't still get to. But at the same time, I've got this life operating within me because that's the sin still living in me. But I've got this other eternal life in me that's able to say, for momentary light affliction, I'm getting beaten, smashed, but I'm not crushed and I'm not perplexed. Why? Because the glory of God is radiating in and through me. Aren't you grateful? I'm so grateful that God doesn't work on the condition of my behavior. 
But he works on the condition of revelation that the Holy Spirit carries to do a work in us because he knows we are sinners saved by grace, but he was forming sons from the eternal word, which is Jesus and Jesus' words. And so it's quite hard to try and describe this because the words of Christ are the word of God. And you go, word, words, words, word. You see, but the words come out from the word. So they go back to the word. And you'll see scriptures like faith comes through hearing. Hearing what? The words of Christ? No, the word of Christ. So ultimately, it's this two position, which is one. God is the God of one. So let's go to John 1 as a starting point. And there's so much in here. In five verses, John 1, 1 to 5. John 1, 1 to 5. What's the main point? Awesome. The eternal word builds Christ in us. John 1, 1. In the beginning. Everyone say, in the beginning. In the beginning. Why can't we start at the beginning? It would be so much easier if we knew the beginning from the end, wouldn't it? We start in the middle. We're trying to figure out the end and figure out the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. He was in the beginning with God. Now, verse 3, all things, say all things, came into being through Him, the Word. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So I'll read that again. All things came into being. Remember, all things are finished. From God's perspective, everything's finished. Before the foundations of the world, I finished everything. We're discovering what's already finished. And God has sent the Holy Spirit to enlighten us and illuminate us to the lives we're called to be that God sees before the beginning of time. He didn't see you as a sinner. He saw you as a saint. Didn't he say, I chose you before the foundations of the world to be homely and blameless as a sinner? No, as a son that's been adopted in. So it's about catching up to who we are. Too many people are worshiping who they're not. Instead of discovering who they are. See, it's how he sees you. Do you see yourself as he sees you? And so he says in Philippians 1.6 that I'm going to perfect the work that I started to get to you back to the beginning. But ultimately you'll reach the end. Where I've already written your name in the book of life. Hear that in the spirit, it'll change your life. Try to hear it in the mind, your head will hurt. All things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. There is no life you're in that you created. No eternal life. So nothing that you've tried to do in you to change you, that's not an eternal life. So God has to do all the work through our agreement. We have a role in this. It's called surrender. We have a posture. It's called weakness. 
We say, God, I can't build me because you build. You're the Bob the Builder, not me. I am part of the church. I don't build myself, but you know what I can do? I can get built. Yeah? And then I can walk beside a brother and sister who's also being built. But I'm not the builder of the people you are. And sure, you may give me a living eternal word that I speak that the Holy Spirit grabs and reveals it in a brother and sister and they get built, but that's still you. See, it's spirit, spirit, spirit. God, Son, Spirit. It's all spirit. The word is spirit. And what we're going to get to in this whole series is looking at truly hearing the spirit, the word. But he's saying, everything has come into being through me. Nothing has come into being that's not of me. Then he gives us this line in verse 4. In him, Christ was life. So there was an, he was eternal life, wasn't he? John 17, 3, and in 1, John tells us he was the eternal life. So in Christ was this life, and the life that was in Christ was the what? Light of men. So Christ in us, the hope of glory. If Christ's life, the light of the world, is being formed and shaped through our ability to receive it through hearing, then we are what? The light of the world. Why? Because it's Christ in us. The light is the light that shines out of us. It's not me. It's Christ in me, the hope of seeing the glory, which is the light. When Jesus and Peter, James and John were on the mountain, Jesus showed them the glory. And they saw Moses' glory and Elijah's glory. The glory of God, they're looking at the glory radiating from them. Christ is the Son of Man and the Son of God. And at times he showed them his Godhead, the Son of God. Let me show you the kingdom. He's coming back like that, isn't he? So Christ in us is the light. Come down to verse 9. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Not just renews your mind, enlightens, brings life, substance, power, eternal realm. Not something that's taken away, not something that's here today, gone tomorrow. Christ is the immovable foundation, isn't he? So if our foundation is Christ, Paul said, I don't lay another foundation. I'm a builder, meaning I don't build, but I partner to see it built. I'm giving a calling and a ministry, and I partner with God with the gift of my life to see this church built. And it must be built on gold, precious stones, silver. And at a judgment seat for the church, that's when you'll all know Really, your Christianity. And the time is now. And then you come down to verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh. The word is to be living. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. 
it perishes and penetrates between soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of one's heart. You see, what it does is the word Jesus and his words, they come in and they cut and they divide and they then heal and they take out and they put in and they reshape and transform a person into the likeness of himself. Romans 8, 28 to 30. And it's all done through the power of God. Philippians 2.13 says it is God's great and gracious, I think it is something like great and precious will to perform a work, a perfecting work in us. See, Jesus built a church in the church, not external. He says, guys, you polish the outer all the time and your inner is darkened. And so when you get pressed, your inner realm comes out. And I want to do a deep work in you so the light comes out. So they talk about in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, they said that that we are the vessels that the glory of God, the light of God is going to be formed through so we can be crushed but not perplexed. Broke, you know, that whole passage one, it says because this reality sits in us. Come with me to Revelation 19. Is this okay? I hope you can hear. Not just listen, but hear. I can't wait to get on to that. But we're going to spend some time next few weeks just talking about this word. Not a book. See, I love this question. Do you know the book of the Lord or do you know the Lord of the book? Which way round is it? Too many people know the book of the Lord. Revelation 19, I love this, 11. The coming of Christ. I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That's an introduction. He is not a book. He is a person. And what I shared with the young people last night, I said, you need to have an encounter with the person. You need to seek the person and you'll have passion for the person. I said, you've got passion for computers. You've got passion for music. You've got passion for sport. You've got passion for surfing. You've got passion and you didn't have to motivate it, did you? Why? Because you know those things. And you've fallen in love with those things because you know those things. And the same thing will happen. And yet, the love of God through knowing God, you'll have a passion and a purpose and it will put all those things in perspective and they're not wrong, but they're not him. You see, Jesus is the word. And he has words to say that the Bible describes as the scriptures. Why does this matter? Because if we think we can gain a mental understanding of the scriptures or the words, then we'll have knowledge that produces life. 
because we think this whole matters because if we think we can gain a mental understanding of the scriptures or the words, we will have knowledge that produces life. And this was the Pharisees' fatal mistake. Come with me to John 5. Now, a Pharisee is not a person who wore clothing that we might think looks a bit weird. Okay? So what I'm, what I'm saying is that a Pharisee, the Pharisee, it's a pharisaical spirit that operates. It's just called the flesh. And it thinks it knows something that it doesn't know, but it genuinely thinks it does. And when Jesus turned up, the Pharisees were Israelites. I've come for the lost tribe of Israel, did he not say? So I've come for you guys. Haven't you come for the Gentiles? I've come for you. The people he came for, the Bible says his own people didn't recognize him when he turned up. Why? Because we're about to find out. And you know what? We can make exactly the same mistake as they did because flesh was in them, flesh is in us. And it's a blind, deaf spirit that's struggling to hear, can't see. Now, some of the Pharisees had an encounter, didn't they? Nicodemus goes from being, how do I get my mother's tummy, to them preparing his, his body. So there were Pharisees, there were Jewish people that heard a frequency, received it, and became followers. But there were a whole lot of people that didn't. Why? And Jesus says this to them in John 5, 39. He says, you search the Scriptures. See, do we search the Word before the Scriptures, or do we search the Scriptures before the Word? You search the Scriptures because you think that in them, in the Scriptures, you think in them, you think, you think, has the mind been renewed because your ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Have you had a renewing of mind that you would know if you have because it comes with life? So to think the same way about something and not have life is the indication, the evidence that it's not a God thought. So his thinking brings life. Make sense? So he says, you think that in the scriptures you're going to find eternal life. Here's the key. It is these that testify about me. Not of me. About me. We need to come into the of me. So there's nothing wrong with the Scriptures. I love the Scriptures because they've come from God. But if we try and understand the Scriptures through our human intellect first, our place of study and learning, we will get all entangled and we won't come into the life because it's the role of the Holy Spirit to reveal, to show us the Scriptures and reveal the Scriptures, the living Scriptures within us. Does that make sense? One person. Cool. <laughs> they testify. They give testimony. That's why I can testify about Christ all day long, can't I? He's doing this in my life. He's doing this in my life. I've got a joy. I've got a hope. I've got a peace. I've got a passion. You've probably seen it. It gets a bit carried away. What's that guy would shut up? You can't. Why? Because you're going to testify. You're going to scream it to anyone who's got ears to hear, anyone who wants to listen. You'll sing of him, praise of him. Why? Because you've got the Jesus Christ in you, and you can't contain yourself, so you have to testify about. 
But I said to the kids last night, and I said this to Maddie and Lily all the time, I can't give you the Jesus I know. I can't put it in you. I can only testify to you about the goodness and what he's done and the kindness. But man, I wish I could, but then I'd be God, so I don't want to be that. So I want to, but I can't. And and you sit there going, that's why you have to be free of all people and entrusting your heart to Christ because you don't know. And I don't want to control him in a bad way. And I don't want to push him away from God and religion. And so I'm sitting there going, but I testify. Can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear? I'm going to scream it. I'm going to scream it. Can you hear? Can you hear? You see, they testified about, but it wasn't off. So when he turned up, Listen to what happens. He says to them this. This is so sad. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life because your head is in words and you're so ingrained in your human mind trying to understand and it's not the way that when I turn up, you can't recognize the living word. You can't hear the frequency. You don't want to know what it sounds like. You don't know what it looks like, touches like, smells like. And I'm right in front of you. I'm standing right here. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm right here in front of you today. And I can't wait to lead all those people into truth that want to turn from their worlds and come and ask me a question. Why isn't the bush burning? What's that crazy dude at the rock talking about? Help me understand because I don't. I think he's a nut job. Is he a nut job? Well, he might be. But ask the question and figure out. Because it's the role of the Spirit to be a teacher, and he's waiting for class. And the class is not that full. He's going, come on, i got a PhD in theology called Knowing Jesus, the real Jesus. And I've been commissioned from above to teach. I can't wait to teach. I can't wait to reveal. I can't wait to bring the Father's plans and purposes for my people. And they are huge and they're awesome and they're full and it's a life and you'll walk on water. Now, maybe tomorrow. When I get round to it. Because didn't you know, I've got all these other things. He goes, I know. And they're of me and they're a blessing of me but they're getting in the way of us. He says, so I sin and my word comes to do a work. See, it's the word that does the work, not us. It's the word. I'm not going to start there. That's going to come later. (laughs) You search the scriptures because you think the battleground of the mind That in the scriptures you have this thing called eternal life, which is me. You think you're going to find it in a book. And yet I've given you the book, the scriptures, to point you to me. Don't stop at the book. The book is a means to a greater end. We are never to separate the words from the word. We are never to separate the word from... Words from the Word. It's in knowing the Word, Jesus, that we come to understand His words of life. It's in knowing the Word, the person, that we come to understand His words of life. We don't try to understand the words of Christ without the Spirit that was sent to reveal or illuminate them to us. 
John 16. I'll just fly through a bit of this. The Holy Spirit promise. This is John 16, verses 7. But I, this is Jesus, tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Sent. Sent. He was sent to earth. A side note, but we are also to be sent. Because we're in a relationship, he sends us to meet needs. Not just because we see a need. Jesus was sent. Paul and Barnabas were sent. Have a look at that word, sent. So the Holy Spirit was sent for us. He says, if I don't go, I can't send you the one that's going to be with you and in you. So I have to go to send you. Come down to verse 12. Jesus, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. See, he knew their capacity. He knew what they could, couldn't handle. But there are more things to know, isn't there? When I read that, I go, how much do you want to know because there's so much in him? Are you happy with the knowledge you currently have? Or do you want all? Then are you living an all life? Because an all has a life that looks like an all. It looks like discipline. It looks like prioritizing. It looks like asking, seeking, knocking. It looks like being found like Mary. 24-7. That's a heart posture. Mary was more active than Martha. See, we look at that and we think Martha. Mary was way more active than Martha was in her doing. She was in the right lane, though she could hear. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears. Do you think if the Holy Spirit has to hear, you and I do? And I don't mean just listen to words. I mean hear the word, the spiritual word. For the, my words are spirit and life. The word of God is spirit, and it travels on a frequency. Can you hear and receive it? Because Jesus was talking to his guys plainly, and they were not hearing what he was saying. And we can be doing exactly the same. I can't wait to get to the hearing thing. But I'm going to continue on. <laughs> but whatever he hears... He will speak. Oh, man. See, it's hearing first, speak second. Too many people want to speak and then hear. Hear first, speak second. God said, let there be light. Boom. He's, he spoke then. We've got to hear that because he's the speaker, isn't he? He will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. This should be getting us excited. He will glorify me and he will take of mine and he will disclose it to you. How did he do that? Because he was one with Christ. He knew Christ. He was part of the Godhead. 
I pray that the church would be one with the Father, Son, Spirit. Why? So they can take what is mine and speak of it. That others would hear it, receive it in them and have Christ in them built, which is how Jesus builds the church. And I will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, to, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Can you see the oneness between the three and how they work out together in unison, in unity? True unity is of the spirit, not of the flesh. It's one that we cannot manufacture. We try. We try and make it about a common goal. But actually, it's about knowing him. We'll only be one in spirit when we're all in him to the measure we're in him. Not achieving a task. When Jesus was physically present, he spoke words of spirit and life. John 6, 63. My words are spirit and life. So Jesus is on the earth. The word is on the earth. And the word is speaking words. But it's from the substance of the word. So those words that go out into the atmosphere are spirit and life. So what's our role is to be able to hear the word that comes from the word himself. And at the hearing and the receiving, life comes. There is a man, the kingdom of God is like a man who threw seed, the word, out. Anywhere and everywhere, he just launched seed. He then went, hmm, my job is done. I'm going to have a sleep. This is an accurate posture of a follower. Man, that's good. All I had to do was throw the seed out. Get up. Whoa! What's that? It's the crop that's growing. Why? Because it received the seed. Because the power is in the word. It's in the seed, not in my ability to try and make it happen. It's not in my strength to try and make the crop happen. I was sleeping while God was building. What a restful place that is. Woohoo, this works well. And I'm in rest and hope and joy because I've realized that God builds through his word. An eternal word, the eternal gospel, the substance of Christ being communicated into the earth. Heaven came down, people. He's been living here for a while and he's screaming. The challenge is, do the people of God have the ears to hear God and receive it and have it change you like food literally changes you? That's the goal. It's now the Holy Spirit's role, the third person of the Godhead, to bring to life the Scriptures or the words of God. It's now the Holy Spirit's role, the third person of the Godhead, to bring to life the Scriptures or the words of God or the Word of God. It's the receiving of Jesus himself and his spiritual words that build us on the inside. Shall I read that again? It's the receiving of Jesus himself and his spiritual words that build us on the inside. Galatians 1 verse 15, but when God, this is Paul, but when God, 
That's interesting, eh? Who remembers the day when God turned up in your world and went, hello? <laughs> I do. I went, oh, cribbity to me. Almost said something I didn't want to say. You're real. But when God, Paul had a but when God moment, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb, Man, chosen before he ever was to be Paul, not Saul. Don't you love God? Even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace. How much of Paul is in that? Not a lot. Called me through his grace, was pleased to what? Reveal his son where? In me. Nothing happened on the road to Damascus, guys, apart from him being blinded physically. We go, oh, the road to Damascus experience. Yeah, that's where it all happened. No, no. Yes, he got blinded by the light, but he was still Saul. It was when Ananias came and laid hands on him that he got baptized in the Holy Spirit that he became like, boom! You see, the man was full of pride. Just before this, he's actually saying who he was. He's giving you his credentials, my former manner of life. I was a somebody studying the scriptures. I even was there when Stephen was stoned and they laid his coat at my feet and I stood there thinking, good boy for God, we're getting this guy out of here because this is not of you because I studied the law, but I didn't know the one of the law. I was a scholar of the law. Oh, I thought it said, don't murder and then what it say? As long as you don't murder on a Sabbath, you're okay, apparently. See how twisted this is? Religion is twisted when the mind tries to grab it whole. It's like God said don't murder, and they're going, we can't kill him on a Sabbath, and it's okay. In their mind. And he's going, I came to fulfill this. I am the fulfillment. I am the law. You don't know me because you're looking at words, not waiting for the person. So when the person is right in front of you telling you, you go, that's not God. That's not God. That's not God. I'm talking now. That's not God. That's not God. That doesn't look at the God that I know. How do you know? Have you asked? Have you gone and investigated? Have you got on your knees and prayed and fasted and asked? And sought the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to see whether it is him or not. I agree with you. Don't just accept it as, but have you done your part? Have you turned aside and gone, why isn't that bush burning? And then asked a question and waited for an answer. Or do you just make judgments and be God? Well, that may be keeping you out of life. Doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Paul is an example, and he says this, to, he says, when, but when God uh, was placed in me so that I might preach what? His words? Him. The word. I'm going to preach him. He couldn't preach him before he actually had an encounter with him. He was preaching the scriptures. And they were different, even though they are the, they're supposed to be the same thing. But in his mind, they were different. He thought he was, but he wasn't, was he? Because when the one of the scriptures turned up, he would have been there throwing the stone as well. But when God, when God grabbed me, bang, poof, 
What and who are you? And he continues to have when God moments. Do you? I have when God moments all the time. It's like driving, eating, this morning, 24-7. But when? Let me show you this. 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 Let me show you. Oh, can we just stop? And he goes on. He says, oh, I'm going to preach him among the Gentiles. Colossians 3.16. And then we're done. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Now, once again, very first question, where does the power dwell? Where? So the power dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 2 says that Jesus is the power of God. He is the wisdom of God, which means if he's the power and the wisdom and the word is to dwell in us, who's dwelling in us? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the challenge is, is he? Now, I know he's in us if we've received him, but is he dwelling? Is there an abiding? Is there rivers of life coming out of your innermost being? Are you hungry that you... Those who come to me will never hunger. Those who believe in me will never thirst. I'm talking this reality in the spirit, which is fully possible if we can hear and receive it because our spiritual ears, not these things, our spiritual ears are attuned to the frequency of the word that's being communicated through my words. But I can only give testimony to it. I can't give it, for that's not my role. It's his role. Hence, we need to develop a very important relationship with him. The point, Jesus and his words, are the eternal substance that builds his eternal life. Jesus and Jesus' words are the eternal substance that build his eternal life in us. Matthew 4, 4. Man cannot, man cannot what? They're very quiet. Man cannot on bread alone, but what? On every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So God spoke. It's our job to be able to hear Otherwise, we will be spiritually weak and our flesh will dominate our lives. Our spirit may be willing to do something, but the flesh will always come in and trumpet. You've got an enemy working against you to try and work that flesh out too, so he's throwing you suggestive things. And God goes to great lengths to tell us that, guys, my people, I build my church. You can't live on the physical alone. I know you need the physical right now for your physical bodies, but you're a spiritual being. You're made in my image and that is in spirit. And I want to bring my eternal word to your spirit to build you from the inside 
out. So I come into your spirit. I want to renew your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. I want those to be renewed and transformed. So then your physical body does what was in the inner realm has been asked to do. And it's all done through this thing called the Word, who is Jesus Christ and His words. Jesus and His words are the eternal substance that build His eternal life in us. And as we go on, we're going to unpack more of the Word, different scriptures to show us what I'm trying to communicate. And I hope that You'll spend the time meditating, leaning in, chewing on, and asking, seeking, knocking the Holy Spirit who has been sent as our teacher, our helper, our guide. He's a person to bring us into this life. John said in Revelation, he had to show me The Spirit showed me. I wasn't sitting there with my concordance, making sure it all dotted the T's and the I's. I just want to check the book to see a spirit with you telling the truth. Hmm. No, no. He was brought into this through the power of the Spirit, and God showed him what he wrote. Amen? So, Father, I... Pray you would seal what has been said in our hearts. I pray, Father, if there's anything not of you that I've said, you just remove it right now, Holy Spirit. With my conviction of heart, I believe everything that was said is of you. And Father, I thank you that you build people of life. You receive us in our state that we are. You receive us, you love on us. You call us to love one another as we are. But Lord, you don't want to leave us there. You come to heal the brokenhearted once and for all, to set the captive free to run, and to be witnesses and ambassadors of your glorious kingdom that the church may demonstrate firstly through her life the ability to live, and then secondly with her actions. And so, Lord, we just honor you. We thank you. And may we walk this out together in love and in truth. And in mercy in Jesus' name. Amen.